Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I want you to turn with me, if you would please, in your Bibles to the third epistle of John, which is just before the book of Revelation, you have Jude, and then you have the third epistle of John. So if you have a problem there finding it, that's where it's at. It's after the second epistle of John. And before Jude. Okay? Receiving from the Lord involves faith. And faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And so it's important that we hear the Word of God taught. And we're not talking about traditions. We're talking about the Word of God itself. In the epistle of John, the third epistle of John, inspired by the Spirit of God in verse 2, we read, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Now, I want you to notice, above everything else, this is inspirational. That means this is God speaking by His Spirit through the Apostle John. And He is saying, above everything else, for you in this life, my desire is this, that you prosper and that you be in health. I want you to think about that just for a moment. This is God's desire for all of us, that we prosper and that we be in health even as your soul prospers. Well, if that's God's desire above all things for us, then why is it that many are not prospering and being in health? in these days in which we live? Well, the answer to that is found right here in that verse. It's because we have an enemy who is out there attempting to prevent the prosperity of our soul. Notice it says, even as thy soul prospers. And the soulish part of man involves his intellect and his will and emotions. The soul of man has got to be renewed to the Word of God. God has given us this Bible, which is His Word, to change our way of thinking. Our way of thinking is not like His way of thinking. God thinks different than we. His thoughts are far above our thoughts. As a matter of fact, if you haven't written this down, do so. It's in your Bible in Isaiah chapter 55. You can read right on through verses 6 through 11 and you'll find out that it says that My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. And what that is saying to us is this, that God's thoughts are superior. His thoughts are superior to our thoughts. He has a higher way of thinking. He has a higher perspective. As he begins to see things from his perspective, he knows the beginning and he knows the end. And everything in between. And so he has a better frame of reference, wouldn't you say? And so the way he sees the picture is far above our way. So it takes work on our part to change our way of thinking and line our way of thinking up with God's. Well, while we're in the process of doing that, we have an enemy out there who is trying to prevent the prosperity of our soul 
or to prevent us from receiving this knowledge. And for the most part, many have never opened up the Word of God to find out what God said. If we don't know what God said, how can we learn His way of thinking? If we can't learn His way of thinking, how can we learn His way of living? How can we experience in our lives healing, delivering power if we don't know what God says about it? Can you see that's impossible? The first step toward God in healing is to find out what God says. A lot of people have never been taught that God desires that they be well. Many have never been taught that God wants them to prosper. And that's talking about financial prosperity also. God doesn't want us to be paupers in this life. He wants all of our needs to be met. That's His wholehearted desire for every single one of us. I'll tell you something else that many have not been taught. They've not been taught that sickness is a curse and that health is a blessing. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, if you would please, and I'll show that to you. Going back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. And in this chapter, we have a revelation of certain curses that would come upon the Israelites' lives for disobedience. And among those curses, we find sickness and disease. But before we look at that, let me just state this. Even in Christian circles, many have been taught that sickness is a blessing from heaven. I mean, many teach that from pulpits today, that sickness is a blessing. And you say, how can they teach that? Well, what they'll do is they'll camouflage it. They'll just say to you like this. Well, if you were well, you might not serve God. So it's a good thing that you were sick and therefore that's a blessing. I know you're looking at me funny, but people do teach that from the pulpit. I don't know if you've ever sat under that kind of teaching before, but I have. People do teach that from the pulpit. That you're sick and that's a blessing because now you'll serve God because you're sick. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You can serve God when you're well, can't you? I can serve God when I'm well. I'd rather serve God while I'm well. It's a lot easier to serve God when you're well. Amen. Amen? Okay. So, sickness and disease is not a blessing. Some say it's a blessing because by it or through it, God teaches us certain lessons. Does He? What lesson does He teach us? Someone says it'll help you grow spiritually. Will it? How can we grow spiritually because of sickness and disease? Is all that biblical? And the answer is no, that's not biblical. That's man's doctrine. That's the way someone whose mind is not renewed to the Word of God may perceive it. But it's not what the Word of God boldly and emphatically teaches. Too often many have allowed others to do their thinking for them and they have not turned to the Word of God for their answers. The Word of God says in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28 and verse 15, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now, it goes on to name all kinds of curses, including sickness and disease. You can go on to verse 21. The Lord shall make, it should be shall allow, the pestilence to cleave unto thee, until he hath consumed thee from off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. 
the Lord shall smite thee or allow thee to be smitten with conception or tuberculosis and with a fever and inflammation and extreme burning and with a sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish and thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. Verse 27, the Lord will smite thee or allow you to be smitten with the botch of Egypt and with the emeralds and with the scab and with the itch. Now notice this, whereof thou canst not be healed. Now notice, these are curses. It clearly said that these are under the heading of curses. And notice it says in verse 27, certain ones that cannot be healed. Everybody say with me that Healing is a blessing. Health is a blessing. Sickness is a curse. And there are some sicknesses that cannot be healed. See, it's no wonder that there are sicknesses and diseases in society today that man will never be able to cure or heal because the Word of God said it a long time ago. God said it in His Word way back when, many years ago, that there would be sicknesses and diseases that man cannot cure. Well, that stands the reason if God is God and God is greater than man, and as a result of man's rebellion, he opened up the door to the curse of sickness and disease, and the source of sickness and disease is spiritual, how can we overcome every sickness and disease with natural means? That's not going to be possible. And so that's why we've got to take it a step further and look at God's perspective and recognize sickness and disease for what it is. When God made man, there was no sickness and there was no disease. But when man fell from the presence of God, sickness and disease came into the earth. So it's a result of disobedience and the fall of man, not the plan of God. It's God's will to bless, not curse. Uh, As a matter of fact, here's another way to view it. If, as many teach, sickness and disease is a blessing to teach us and to help us grow, then why is it? that a person will turn to medical science to get rid of that sickness or get rid of that disease. If sickness and disease indeed is coming into our lives from God to help us, to teach us, then why go to a hospital? Why take a medication? You know as well as I do that the moment anything attacks your body, you want to be well. And you'll do anything you possibly can to get well, won't you? I mean, I don't know about you, but I view health as a blessing. It's a whole lot better to live when you're healthy. Isn't that true? And I know that when I'm not well, if I'm not feeling well, I don't like it. What about you? And I want to get well. And it's just a natural thing for a person to try to find a means whereby to obtain health. Absolutely. Well, if God sent the disease or if God sent the sickness, if God placed it on us, Why would we try to get rid of it? Why would anybody try to get rid of it? Why would anybody go to a hospital? Why would anybody see a doctor? Why would anybody take a medication, even an aspirin, if God is teaching us a lesson? If the aspirin really works, you may not get the lesson. Right? At least let it stay there until you learn your lesson, then take the aspirin. But it's apparent to me that that's not how it works. Because if God put a headache on you until you learned a lesson, no aspirin could take it away. Can you say amen? Amen. And that's the truth. Amen. Amen. 
Well, sickness is a curse, and I want you to find that with me in the book of Acts, chapter 10, if you would please, in chapter 10 and verse 38. Sickness is a curse, and healing is a blessing. And we have in this particular verse a revelation given to us from God. This revelation comes to us from God Himself, and in this verse He tells us that sickness and disease is satanic oppression. It is not the hand of God at work. It's the hand of the enemy at work. It's the result of man's rebellion and the fall of mankind. If man did not fall, there never would have been sickness or disease. But man did fall, and now we are contending with sickness and disease, and we have to learn about healing and health from the Word of God so that we can rise up above the curse and experience the blessing. What's God's desire for all of our lives? That we prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. And what we're teaching you this morning is going to provide what? Soulish prosperity, the renewing of the mind, so that all that God has placed within us in the new birth can be unleashed in our lives and produce healing in our physical bodies and also prosperity in the financial realm of our lives. And that's what God wants us to do, to renew our minds to what He said about it. Now, in Acts 10, verse 38, it says this, and listen carefully as I read this how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Notice the expression, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. If I were to ask people to stand that were healed by Jesus, can you imagine how many people would have remained standing? In the days of Jesus, the Bible said multitudes upon multitudes. A multitude's a lot. But multitudes in various places came to Him and all that came to Him were healed. So multitudes, hundreds of thousands of people were all healed through Jesus Christ when He was here upon this earth. Right? All those people that were healed, it says right here in Acts 10.38, were oppressed of the devil. healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Notice it doesn't say all that were oppressed by God. All that were stricken by God. All were oppressed of the devil, and that is a New Testament revelation inspired by the Spirit of God to educate every single one of us to let us know that all that sickness and all that disease, and we're talking about all kinds of sickness, including leprosy, heart problems, We're talking about paralysis. You know, we're talking about blindness, deafness, dumbness. We're talking about insanity. You can read right through the Gospels and you'll find out all those diseases were healed by Jesus and they were all classified as being satanic oppression. Jesus healed them all. So sickness, once again, is a curse. It is satanic oppression as as far as the Word of God is concerned and as far as we should be concerned. And with that mindset, we should be stirred from within to take a bold and strong stand against sickness and disease. And that's why medical science, once again, is dedicated to standing against sickness and disease. If man stands against it, think about it. It stands the reason that God has to be standing against it. Right? Because how could man stand against something that God is doing? Is man greater than God? No. 
So if God was behind it, you'd never get rid of it. And that's the truth. So God's not behind it. God wants you well. God wants me well. He wants us whole and He's made provisions for that. Now I want you to go to Matthew's Gospel chapter 8 because if you have one shadow of doubt within your mind about God wanting you well, that doubt will hinder you from receiving from God. Doubt will hinder you from receiving from the Lord whatever it is you desire. If you desire healing and health and you doubt whether or not God wants you well, that doubt will hinder your receiving. No matter what the disease is, no matter what the sickness is, if you think God wants you to have it, in other words, then your ability to receive from Him will be hindered. God does not want you sick. God wants you well. In the book of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus just got done teaching His disciples certain truths from the Word of God. They were all together. And then He came down from the mountain and great multitudes followed Him. This is verse 1. Great multitudes followed Him. And behold, there came a leper. Now, a multitude would be enough, but great multitudes sounds like a lot of people to me. What about you? And behold, there came a leper unto Him and worshipped Him, saying, Lord, if Thou wilt... In other words, if you will, you can make me clean. This leper had doubt in his mind. He had doubt as to the willingness of Jesus to heal him. He knew that he could, but he didn't know that he would. And so he doubted the willingness of Jesus to heal him. But let's just strike our thinking just for a moment, please. Great multitudes followed him, and all of a sudden there appeared a leper. Did you ever see a multitude scatter? In a hurry? What do you think would happen when that leper came near the multitudes? They backed off as quickly as they could. A leper was not supposed to be mingling among the multitudes. Isn't that true? But there they are following Jesus. Came a leper unto him. Man, everybody just ten steps back. They didn't want to be near him. And Jesus listens to what the man has to say. He's bowing down before Jesus. You've got to picture this. Here is a man full of heartache and pain. His body parts, his flesh is being eaten away by leprosy. He has probably not held a loved one in years. He's isolated from all the people. You know... It's nice to have fellowship with people, isn't it? Especially family and friends. We just came through a Thanksgiving weekend and, and all that. And you were with family members maybe you haven't seen for a while. It wasn't that wonderful to get together and see your family and, and have fellowship and all that. This fellow is isolated. If it's just to get a hug from somebody. You know, we thrive on that. Just a hug. Wouldn't that be nice once in a while? But this person has had no hug. He's isolated. He's had no fellowship. No one wants to get near him. Can you imagine the heartache and the pain? If he had a family, he doesn't see them but at a distance any longer. He can't take his children into his arms and hug them and say, I love you. Daddy cares for you. He's by himself. He's alone. This man must have heard of something about Jesus because he took a bold step. He's not supposed to mingle among the crowds, but there he goes right to Jesus. I admire that. 
As far as he was concerned, it's do or die. And as far as he was concerned, I'm doing. I'm setting aside all tradition. I'm setting aside all logic and reason. I'm setting aside all my fears. I am totally abandoning myself to Jesus. He came to him. He worshipped him. And he said, if you will, I know you can. But if you will, I don't know if you will. You can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand. And everybody say touched. Let me strike your thinking once again. He touched a leper. A le- he wasn't allowed to touch a leper. He would be contaminated. He's not allowed to touch a leper. But he put forth his hand and he touched. See, he might have said it and that would have been enough. But I want you to see the compassion that was in his heart. I want you to see how Jesus probably saw into his life. He probably knew he hasn't hugged his kid in in who knows how long. He hasn't received a hug from his wife. Maybe if his mother and father are still living, they haven't been able to hug him. This guy's been alone, by himself, denied, deprived. What a horrible darkness this man was living in. But Jesus wanted him well. And to let him know how much he wanted him well, he touched. See, if he would have backed off and said, okay, go away, be healed, that would have been very cold, wouldn't it? But I'm telling you, Jesus loved him so much and was so full of compassion. He looked beyond the leprosy and he touched his body. And he said, I will. Be thou made whole. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. But listen carefully. When he said, I will, that eradicated all the doubt from that man's mind. He he said, I know you can, but I don't know if you will. That eradicated all doubt from the man's mind. Now he knew that he would. That opened up faith. That allowed the power of God to flow. And the man was made whole. Oh, beloved, sometimes we read about these miracles and we just don't really think about them enough to really appreciate what took place. Can you imagine this man's nose may have been eaten off from the leprosy. His earlobes may have been gone. His fingers may have been down to nubs. Right? But right then and there, before the great multitudes, what happened? He was immediately made whole. His nose came back. His fingers came back. The skin on his face, his cheeks came back. Can you imagine that? Watching that. Can you imagine the effect it had upon the great multitudes when they saw that? Then Jesus said, Now go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Let it be recorded forever, in other words, in, in all history, that your leprosy is gone. What compassion. What love. Jesus wanted him whole. Look at uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. If that doesn't remove all doubt from you that God wants you well, then we better stick around and study that a whole lot more. Or you should take it home and read it because that's the only place in the Bible where somebody asked about the will of God for healing. And that should settle it once and forever that Jesus wants us well. Amen? 
You say, well, what about today? Today's today. That was then. Well, Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Today, yesterday, today, and forever. So, as he was then, so is he now. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at verse 25 and through 34, we have the testimony of the woman with the issue of blood. We can learn some things about healing from this text. First of all, let's begin at verse 25. And a certain woman, certain woman, this is a real life story. A certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. Listen carefully. 12 years. This woman was in an unclean condition for 12 years of her life. And once again, an unclean condition means you're not going to have too much association with people. Once again, you're going to be denied that closeness and that fellowship that you really normally should have in life. I mean, I don't know what it would be like not to have the hugs, you know, from your wife, from your children, or whatever, because it's so wonderful. It makes you feel so good. You can't even describe it. Isn't that true? How many of you parents out there, when your little one reaches up his or her arms and just says, pick me up, mommy or daddy, and then squeezes you around the neck, I mean, squeezes the life right into you. You know what I mean? Right around your neck. I mean, what does that do on the inside of you? Come on. What does it do? Can you describe the feeling of it? You can't, can you? It's so wonderful to have their, them love you like that because they depend on you so much and you give up yourself so much. But when they in turn come back to you and just squeeze their little arms around your neck and hug you and say, I love you. Huh. Forget it. Look out. They just melted your heart right there. They've got your heart in the palm of their hand. Can you imagine not having any of that? Can you imagine being isolated, once again separated from society because of your condition? This woman had many things against her. She had an issue of blood 12 years. And if you're not familiar with Old Testament rights and rules and regulations, unclean people like this were not allowed to associate. They were not allowed to mingle with crowds because they were considered unclean. And that was an unholy thing. And if they would touch you, you would become unclean and you would lose certain rights and privileges or you'd have to go through a cleansing ceremony. And you don't want to go through a cleansing ceremony. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, we're talking about to where you can't even sit down where an unclean person sat. That's how it was. Now listen carefully. And had suffered many things of many physicians. Now let's stop and clarify that. Some people think that when you teach this, you're teaching against the physician, and that's not the case. What it was saying is this, like it is today. There are certain conditions that exist in people's bodies, and physicians will do everything they can to try to make them whole, to try to help the body to heal itself. And in the process, a lot of things take place. I, on many occasions, being at the hospital, have seen many who have been run through a gamut of tests, and the tests were horrendous. I mean, they were drained. They were to the place of being in more pain and suffering because of all the gamut of tests they went through than what the actual disease was doing in their body. Have you been there? Well, this woman suffered many things of many physicians. They were practicing medicine back then. They were trying to do what they could to help her. She went to them and they tried their best. They did everything they possibly could. As a result of trying this and probing here and probing there and doing this and doing that and all this stuff, they still couldn't help her. But she suffered many things along the way. 
So to, in other words, to add agony upon agony, she was already suffering and now she's suffering even more as a result of what's going on trying to make her better. Sometimes cures can bring suffering. Amen. Have you ever been operated on and cut? And they sew you up and say, you're done, you're well. Try to walk. Try to move. I'm well. I'm well. But you can't move. Can't walk. See, there's certain things you're going to suffer just to get well. Now listen. It goes on to say, and had spent all that she had. Now, to show us that sickness is a curse, it was a curse because, number one, she was under the curse of suffering. She was under the curse of isolation. She was under the curse of not associating with other people, her family members and friends, and receiving no hugs and affection, right? All that's a curse, isn't it? She's now under the curse of financial despair. See, it was God's will that she prosper and be in health as her soul prospers. Didn't we read that in John? Right. Now listen carefully. Now, her financial status is under a curse because she spent all that she had at the hands of physicians trying to get better. So, it steals us. It robs from us. So how can it be a blessing if God wants us to prosper and be in health when the, the, the medical expense and cost were so outlandish, probably even back then, that she could not even afford to do anything else, medically speaking, to get well. Because she spent all her money now. It's all gone, depleted. All her resources are gone. Tapped, that's the end. She's under a curse, financially. Spent all that she had. Well, as we read on, it would be all right if she spent all that she had and she was better. Let's read on. And was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Can you see her emotional state right now? Her mental state? Spent all that I had. I was nothing better. Was not helped at all. And now I'm worse. I'm growing worse. When she had heard of Jesus. Notice, when she had heard of Jesus. Many haven't heard certain things about Jesus. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched His garment. For she said... If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of plague. Now, beloved, I want you to make a note of this. As much as we thank God for what doctors can do, doctors, number one, cannot reverse the curse. Listen carefully. I want you to... If you're going to quote me, quote me properly and correctly. Doctors can't reverse the curse of sickness and disease. They can assist the body so that it can heal itself, right? In some cases, they can remove damaged parts. For example, if there is a cancerous tumor in your body and it's localized and they remove it, they can take it out, but if there was just one cancer cell left there in that body, it's still going to grow. They can't reverse the curse and totally annihilate and wipe out cancer 
the bacteria, AIDS, many other things. The curse is spiritual. It's not physical. The curse is spiritual. It's not mental. Therefore, they are incapable of reversing the curse, but they can do certain things to alleviate pain and suffering. In some situations, they can only reduce the suffering until a person actually dies. Isn't all this true? We're being honest here. But they can't reverse the curse. They don't possess that ability to reverse the curse. All they can do is help the body heal itself. It's the curse that stops or prevents the natural healing process. Listen carefully. It's the curse that prevents or hinders the natural healing process. Because of something we can't see that goes beyond even the microscope, something at work, some action at work in our bodies that we can't see, in some cases the microscope, like I said, can't see, that force is active that cannot be stopped through anything that man can conjure up. We must be aware of that because that's why we read in Deuteronomy 28, sicknesses and diseases that cannot be cured. Incurable means just that, incurable. Man can't cure it. And there will always be diseases that man can't cure. We have to renew our minds and start thinking that way. Because that motivates us to find out God's way and God's method. Okay. Now, this woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment and an action took place. Something happened that made her whole. She was helped in the twinkling of an eye. She wasn't helped in 12 years. I mean, I want to find out about that, don't you? How, in the twinkling of an eye, was she healed, and in 12 years she wasn't? That's a pretty good secret knowledge, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I want you to put a marker there, if you would please, and go to book of Exodus, chapter 15, and let's read what it says here. This will really help us in overcoming incurable diseases. In the book of Exodus chapter 15, the children of Israel just came out of Egypt. They were delivered by the power of God and they had nothing to eat, nothing to drink and they were getting to the place where they were frustrated because of no water. I mean, I'd get frustrated too, wouldn't you? In verse 23, and when they came to Marah, they were looking for water. They could not drink of the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Now listen. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? In other words, these waters are contaminated. They're poisoned. And now we have no water to drink. We're going to die in this wilderness because of dehydration. He cried out unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Everybody say tree. Which, when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance and there he proved them and said, If you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord my God, thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none or permit none of the diseases of each upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Listen carefully. All those diseases under the curse were to come upon people that couldn't be cured, but now... Here, God says something. I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your physician. 
I will not permit, okay, those to come upon you. For I am the Lord your healer. But now hold on. Let me give your, get your thoughts right now together and collect them. Listen carefully. Waters that are bitter or poisoned or contaminated cannot be by man instantly purified. It took man many years and generations to learn how to purify water. True? And still there are some areas where I don't know if I want to drink the water. True? Okay. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. Would you purify water by throwing a tree into it? Would you? Would you think throwing a tree into bitter waters will make them sweet? This is symbolic. That tree represents the cross of Christ. Incurable diseases are, as far as we should be concerned, a part of the bitter waters of life that many are swallowing. But listen carefully. It takes the cross of Christ to be cast into the waters to purify them or to rid ourselves of the incurable. I want to show that to you in Galatians 3.13. In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree everybody say tree Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law for it is written cursed is every man that is that hangeth on a tree Verse 14, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now listen carefully. The tree that Moses threw into the bitter waters symbolizes the tree that Christ hung on, the curse he became. And when the tree was cast into the waters of life, the bitter waters became sweet. Christ on the cross did a work to reverse the curse. A work that goes beyond the microscope. A work that will touch the human life with a power it's never known before. That's what happened to this woman when she touched the garment. Listen carefully. Don't want you to miss it. A twofold thing took place when she touched him. But before I share those two things, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, just write these verses down. I'll save some time here. In verses 4 and 5, it says, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with His stripes, we are healed. Listen carefully. With His stripes, we are healed. On the cross, it says He made Him to be sin for us. He made Him to be sick for us. Surely He hath borne our sickness and carried our disease. 
Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. It was a chastisement of our peace that was upon him, by whose stripes you are healed. By whose stripes? What does a stripe have to do with my healing? What does a tree have to do with making bitter water sweet? We need to focus on the stripes. By whose stripes you are healed. The Roman lictor put stripes across Jesus' back when when he whipped him. But it's not just those stripes. The Bible says it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. For he hath made him sick. God Almighty put on Jesus our sin. We've heard that. But also our sickness. On the tree... So that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes we were healed. The curse He bore on the cross, when that tree is cast into the life of the individual, the curse is then reversed. I must focus on those stripes. By His blood I've been redeemed and freed from sin, but by His stripes I have been healed. His stripes reverse the curse of sickness. Now go back to that lady in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 28. In Mark 5, 28, the lady with the issue of blood, she touched His garment. In verse 28, Let's back up to verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Touched his garment. You know, for the most part, I have emphasized this to be the touch of faith. But I want you to listen to the twofold thing that I said I would share with you. Number one, she touched him and placed her disease on him. In other words, I am releasing it. It's no longer mine. I'm giving it to you. You know, that's a step in healing that some neglect. Seeing that Jesus bore your sickness and carried my sickness. And we go around saying, it's my sickness. I have this. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Wait a minute. I thought Jesus bore it. If Jesus bore it, there comes a time I have to say, it's not mine any longer. I'm not taking it in. I'm placing it on Jesus. You see, I don't understand that. It's spiritual. Ask God to open up your eyes to see it. God placed on Him our sickness, and yet I want to keep it myself. It's time that we say, I'm touching Him with it. I'm placing it on Him. I'm not carrying it any longer because he's, He carried it for me. Secondly, she touched His garment, for she said, if I may but touch His clothes, I shall be whole. In giving up her disease to Jesus and saying, you take it. That opened up the door for God's power to flow into her life. And let's read on. And straight, straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. In verse 34, And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and behold thy plague. Notice, faith did what no one else could. In a flash, in a moment, faith did what 12 years of trying could not do. Because you see, beloved, 
her condition was incurable. And as much as we appreciate what doctors can do, they are finite beings and they are limited. There are certain things that man will never be able to conquer. And it's times like that, and it's really all times, but times like that that a person really recognizes that we need to know what the Word of God says and act on it. That's what healed this woman. Only faith. To give up her disease and say that you take it. And then with His stripes, I am healed. I want, I want to close with that scripture. And that's exactly where we're close. 1 Peter 2.24 There is so much I'd like to say, but I'm not going to do that. I know in my heart I have to quit right here. So 1 Peter 2.24 Here's a twofold work. I have to consider it and be influenced by these things. I must confess that my curse ended at Calvary and consider myself healed by the stripes of Jesus. In 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Say this with me. Jesus bore my sin in his own body on the tree. Now notice that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness. That's talking about our sin. Latter part of the verse, by whose stripes ye were. Everybody say were. See, if we were, then I was. We were healed by whose stripes. You try to tell somebody who specializes in purifying contaminated water that you can do that with the throwing in of a tree. And they'll look at you like you're, you're bizarre. You try to tell someone in any field of, of medical science that I can be healed by the stripes of Jesus and they'll look at you like you're bizarre. But what is faith in God? Faith in His Word. God said by His stripes He bore on that tree, I was healed. So by His stripes, the curse is reversed in my life. And by whose stripes, I was healed. Now when I discern the Lord's body, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I'm just going to quote this to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Concerning the Lord's Supper, the Bible says, For this cause many are weak, sick, and die prematurely. For this cause, listen carefully, many of you are weak, sick, and die prematurely. For what cause? Not discerning the Lord's body. Listen carefully. Not discerning the Lord's body. Not having proper understanding of the Lord's body. Well, what understanding is that? We just read it. Many take and celebrate the Lord's Supper not knowing who his own self bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. Righteousness, that's the sin part. By whose stripes, number two, the stripes across His back, yes, that is in the natural realm for me to see, but those stripes are also spiritual. God laid on Him our sickness as well. By those stripes, we were healed. Can you see that? Therefore, many are weak, sick, and die prematurely, Paul said, because they don't rightly discern that. And for the most part, healing is not being taught like this in churches around the valley, around the world today. But many of them are, thank God for that. But if you want strength, not weakness, if you want health, not sickness, and longevity, 
then the foundation for that is in that verse. I rightly discern the Lord's body. With His stripes I am healed. With His stripes I am whole. I'm redeemed from the curse. What Jesus took, I need not take. What Jesus bore, I need not bear. Therefore, I give up my disease, place it on Jesus, and I say, with His stripes, I was healed. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.